0: Welcome to the interlude with Drew. What's going on, everybody? This is Andrew McCain. Welcome back to another episode of the interlude with Drew. Today I got my bro on the line. We're about to do an interview with my bro Bo Tally. How's it going, bro? Man, cannot complain,
1: man. It's good to see you, Doc. It's really good to see you, man.
0: Yes, sir, man. It's been a while, bro. I see you still repping. Uh I, I still call them the skins, man. <laughs> That's my <laughs> they, team too. They're gonna, they be gonna the always
1: be the skins, man. Forever.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I I I can't get with the commanders quite yet. How how you feel about it,
1: man? I, so, it, to me, man, it sounds like some type of like video game to me. You know what right. I'm saying, right? So, right. I definitely can't get with it, but I mean, it is what it is, man. If they start winning, then yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll be is. good. We'll be good. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, right? like so. I I mean, right now, right now, I'll take it over the football team. <laughs>
1: I, hey, you know what's funny? I like the football team.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, thought
1: it, I, thought I got it used so, to
0: I, it. I'll, I'll say that I got used to it.
1: I thought it was classy in a sense, man. Like I like the gear. The gear was dope. The yeah, gear was gear dope. dope too. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know, man. What, what, did you have like a, a choice that you wanted? Like I wanted Red Wings. Did you? Do you have like a, a name that you were looking?
1: Red Wings. I mean, not not I had, wolves.
0: Uh, Red Wolves. Red Wolves. That's what I
1: had. Yeah, yeah, Red yeah, Wolves, yeah. man. Could you imagine Red Wolves, man? Right, and, and they had the
0: gear. People had already started making the gear and stuff. That's why I was
1: sold. But. Yeah, the gear, man. The gear was crazy. You know what I'm saying? The logos were crazy. Yeah, and um, I mean, I really wanted Red Wolves because, like, if your franchise starts winning, and just imagine how crazy that stadium gets. Exactly. You know yep. So I mean, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Once, one we'll get used to it. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean win or lose, and they do a lot of losing. So it'd yeah. be what it is. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah, either
0: way. But yeah. So just to give y'all an introduction, um, I met Bo back in maybe 2012 or so when I was still living in Maryland. We used to uh me and my siblings, we used to uh lead worship at this uh youth service called the Remix at Reed Temple uh North. And he used to play guitar. So we were seeing him like every week, um every week, every Saturday. I, I must say that experience being able to go uh you know lead worship at that church they would have they would bring in musicians they were all like beast musicians Bo was one of them that really pushed me in my, my musical journey because I, I felt like I had been stagnant for a long time but like hearing them I was like oh yeah I gotta step my game up so that, <laughs> that, that's that's where I met Bo at, and he he actually um he played a song on guitar he's a guitar player he played a song on our album language liberation he played on the song god of peace and man Mm -hmm. to this day i still love that mainly
1: because of the guitar so this is my guy right
0: here man so you
1: gotta send me that man because i totally forgot until you just said it oh yeah i totally forgot about that and i remember having a lot of fun laying guitar on that song oh bro you killed it so
0: bad bro i love it (laughs) I love it. That's like, crazy. I, I like the song, but like I mainly like it because and then Ross on on bass. Oh so, man, yeah, that combination. Woo! I, I love it. Listen, but yeah, man. man. So today, today we're 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 um we're just having a, a conversation, man, talking about what you, you what you have going on and everything. So I just want to start from you know your origin. So you're originally from the D.M.V. area, like I said, P.G. County, where PG? I grew up. I wasn't born there, but I I was there since I from like five to twenty three. So that that's that's okay. for me. So talk yeah, about oh, what it was like growing up in the area. You know, it's not like everywhere else. Trust me, I know now. It's, it's definitely <laughs> like everywhere else. But
1: talk about what it's like growing up in the uh, PG County area. Man, you know, you know, like I know, PG County was like one of the like interesting places in the world. Oh, yeah. And But, you know, for me, like I loved it. I still love PG County, man. It's home. The DMV is home. Yes, sir. But like PG County for us, like we grew up in Temple Hills and we grew up right next to Iveson Mall, which was not the most pleasant area yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. But we we really didn't know like how bad it was. It was just like a normal like neighborhood to us growing up. Exactly. And um, we had a good time man, growing up in PG County. I loved it. It was an experience. I grew a ton growing up in Temple Hills and in PG County. Um, So, I mean, all the different people, man, all the different personalities there or whatever but uh like you said it's no place like pg county ever in the uh, world yeah.
0: no yeah and it's funny because it's like um in, in a way pg county's kind of divided like everybody's cool with each other but there's like a north pg and then the south so you're from like more of the south part i'm more of like up north so i started off in a uh, college park and i was living in atlanta uh, for most of the time so i'm like on the northern end of pg county yeah it's,
1: it's all great, man. I, I miss that place for sure. Yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up in the hood part for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but like you said, it is divided that northern part is, I mean, it's nice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like Upper Marlboro and Bowie up in that area and all that yep. good stuff. Even the outskirts of Lanham and stuff like that. In Laurel, the Laurel part that's in PG County, dope.
0: Yeah, totally different.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally mm-hmm. different. Yeah. So how did you develop
0: your uh love for music starting out like being young and everything like that?
1: Hey, so you know what, Andrew? I was literally not trying to be a musician. Oh, wow. Man, I was trying to play basketball. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, bro, I, basketball was my thing. And now look, because I'm just like your family. My family's super musically inclined. Okay. So everybody okay. play. They either play, they sing, they in the industry somewhere. And I just was like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what everybody else did. So basketball was my thing. And what happened was. I kept getting in trouble in school all the time. So my dad pulled me off the basketball team. And so, yeah, so I got, look, I got in big trouble this one summer. So what happened was I was punished for the whole summer. And we had nothing but guitars and stuff in the house. So I just sat in my room. I had nothing else to do. I picked the guitar up and I started playing and I fell in love with the guitar. And look, watch it, nobody knew I could play for like two years in my family. Oh, wow. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: I just showed up at church one day with the guitar and played. And everybody's like, what? the crap?" So, <laughs> Yeah, man. So that's how I started, man. That's how I started. Just like that.
0: Oh, wow. That, that's interesting. Was it like an acoustic or electric?
1: It was an electric. But so like with the electric, of course, you need an amp. But I was so, <laughs> I guess I was like, I don't want nobody to know that I'm playing it. So yeah. yo I would literally go in the closet in my bedroom and play guitar like oh, in the wow. closet and then come out. I'd be hot and sweating in the closet. Yeah, yo. <laughs> oh, yeah man. 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 So yeah, so yeah, it was an electric guitar and but I would never plug it up cuz I never wanted anybody to hear me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so man. so so basically so you were self-taught then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so what do you think about like because a lot of musicians, especially in church, are self-taught. Like yes. what do you think are the advantages and maybe some
1: disadvantages of being uh, self-taught? That's a good question. You know, like I think sometimes the the self-taught as opposed to those who start learning by reading and stuff yeah. like that. Those who can really read. Um, it's pros and cons on both ends. But like the self-taught is you you naturally have a feel for music,
0: yes. you know,
1: like you self-taught, man, you start developing that feel. And you start because you start to mimic what you hear a lot. Your ears yep. different, of course, your ears more um pronounced and, and um and all that good stuff. And so when you're learning and from when you're self-taught, I mean you just have a feel. But then um then a lot of those musicians don't tap into the reading space or whatever, you know. Hold so real quick. I think the, I lost I lost your audio. Um
0: Okay. You still
1: hear me? Yeah, I can. Um,
0: I don't know why, like in the middle of you talking, you just, I just lost. Okay. All right, say something again. Something again.
1: All right, got you, got you. Got I, I, All
0: right, cool. I, I, I lost you like right in the middle of talking about like um learning how to read notes and everything like that.
1: Yeah, because you know, like a lot of self-taught musicians, I think they stop at the, they can play by ear and stuff like that. And it is what it is, but like, You know, the con is, is that they can't step into those places where, you know, where you're required to read, you know, because depending on the job you're tapping into, like some jobs require you to be like, hey, can you read or can you at least look at charts and try to try to do that? And so you lose that ability as well, you know, as opposed to musicians that can read, but then they don't have no they they'll be like, man, they don't have that feel and they want that feel that the musicians that are that learn by ear and are trained by self, you know, they self-taught, they wanna have that feel or whatever. So it's pros and cons on both sides. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: You, I think you explained it perfectly. Like a lot of times the main difference is the feel. Like when, when there's a self-taught musician, um, they have to learn by listening. So they're hearing someone who already has developed their feel. And right. I, in my opinion, guitar, especially, well, both electric and acoustic is, feel is like absolutely important. And yeah. it's one thing to be able to play. But when you can play with Phil, like that's a totally different ball game. So that that's a very, very interesting, um, very interesting uh, perspective. So like what what age were you when you when that was happening? Like when you
1: I was up? like, uh, I was like nine and ten. Okay. OK. Yeah. So around that time and basketball was my thing, man, like it hurt. But I mean, I still play basketball. I wanted to be a pro, of course. Yeah. But yeah. um and I still played in high school and all that good stuff. But then, you know, <laughs> I always had this funny thing about how like music and sports sometimes don't mix you one is gonna take over the other somehow. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So music just kind of grabbed me. And I and I I gracefully thank God for that too. too yeah, you really know,
0: sure. yeah. Yeah. So when when would you say that like you started to come into your own? Like you're like, okay, I'm I'm actually I could actually really do this. Like when do you start having opportunities? to play different places and everything
1: like that. Man, you know what? When I was, uh, when I was like 18, mm-hmm. I started going on the road or whatever. Um, when I got to be about 20 and when I was 18, I was still nervous about it, okay. you know? So like, I kind of like flamed out on some of the shows or whatever. Cause I didn't know what all went into like being prepared right. or whatever. So, which was a good lesson to learn. It was really, really good. But I think like when I was 20, 21 is when I was really like, like, This is what I got to do, you know, and because I started to kind of get into more spaces on both like church and then on the R&B scene and then even jazz. Because I started, I was this trumpet player uh, that I was playing for and he was traveling around and uh, he was just doing like regular spots, man. But he was going everywhere and I was going with him everywhere. And I was learning so much about the road. And I just was like, all right, this is where I need to be. So I need to try to make this work the best way I can.
0: Wow. Okay. So, talk about like how you change your approach for like, for instance, gospel as opposed to R
1: and B as opposed to jazz. Like, how do you how do you change your approach and how you play? That's a good question, and I think sometimes it deals with the artist that you mm-hmm. may be playing for, or the depending on the song or whatever it is. So, like, if it's just regular church or whatever, um, and depending on who you're playing with and what's being required, or uh, if it's just church, church or whatever, because all of the genres have the same chords. Right. They just place differently and they have different feels for them. So I think like sometimes you gotta step back. And what I do sometimes, like if I'm like doing like a, a jazz gig, right? Or straight ahead jazz, or even pocket jazz, as opposed to like church, I warm up differently when I'm about to practice the music. Oh. So sometimes I'll warm up in a different type of scale or chords if I'm doing church as opposed to what I'm going to do jazz wise. You know what I'm saying? I might pull out some different types of scales depending on the music or whatever, just to kind of get my mindset and my fingers straight for what I'm about to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it, sometimes it just kind of depends because I think sometimes people get the wrong misconception that they think like church is supposed to be busy yeah. or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just be like, it's such a wrong misconception, man. And it's just like, yo, because so much has come out of the church so many dope musicians, so many dope artists have come out of the church that have developed great music for us. And I think that sometimes when people be like, man, church is this and it's busy and such, I'm like, I was like, man, that ain't true. Yeah, You bro. know? Like, yeah. I developed my pocket through church, man. We was straight pocket all all, all my life, man. So, yeah. So the approach, to it, it just kind of depends on what it is. I, I do, and I tell like all my students and stuff like that that I teach, I'm like, man, just warm up to whatever music you're about to do. Okay. You know, you change the warm ups, you know what I'm saying? And then you start approaching it that way. And if you grew up in church, because I think sometimes like, yo, if you grew up in church, all right, you naturally have that feel as right. opposed to if you got R&B, then your, your feel has changed. Some of the chords are the same, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Some of the feels are the same, but this still there's just certain little um, intricate things that you do differently in each genre. And it's just like getting the understanding of like, okay, I can't do this here and I can't do that there, you know? Right. That makes sense okay so
0: um so you you're figuring out how to play the guitar on your own and everything like that um did you gravitate towards any particular guitar player starting out or maybe a little later on that influenced you a lot
1: so like man you know what's funny like (laughs) so because i was self-taught and i was kind of like traveling this road by myself like a lot of people have different influences and stuff like that so It's funny, my influence at that time was a sax player, was Gerald Albright. Oh, okay, okay. Two totally different instruments, but I was practicing what he was doing, and I was applying it to guitar. Yeah. And I didn't know that I had to listen to a guitar player, you know what I'm saying, until later on. And then, of course, like, because, you know, in church, man, I was playing a lot of church. Jonathan DeBose, who was on, like, all the records, every record. Yeah. And I was like, man, because I was just like, OK, I cannot sound just like him. but <laughs> so right. I would take some of the stuff that he can do and I'm going to apply it to me. And so he was a major influence because of his approach and how he would do, because like he sounded so good. His tone was dope, you yeah. know, and that was like the biggest thing that that made me be like, oh, I want to be like him. His tone was impeccable. Oh, man. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, for
0: sure. Like, did you have any, like, uh, artists that you listened to a lot growing up?
1: Man, so we were, dude, we were quartet. And we listened to Canton Spirituals all the time. Man, we was, dude, we was, we was straight quartet. Canton Spirituals, Mighty Clouds, of Joy, Slim and the Supreme Ages. We was, we was really like that. And, of course, a ton of choir music and stuff. And then, but my dad had, like, a record player that was all, like, 70s and 80s R&B. You know what I'm saying? So it was like Temptations and yeah. stuff like that. And so we would go and listen to that. And so I never honed in on one artist. Okay. I never I never have. I never just because it was like I always think it's hard to ask musicians like, man, is it one person you listen to all the time? It's like, it man, totally there's so many helpful. artists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. OK, so
0: um did, did you guys happen to listen to like the gospel radio in the area at that time, like on the AM side? Or
1: yeah, we was man 1340 yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, and 1580,
0: yes heavy 1580, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just had day. to make sure. Yeah, they had all like, day. four like heaven 1340, four, yeah. eight sixty, I think it was too. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> um, so did you work any jobs before like becoming a, a full-time musician?
1: Man, so like I um it's funny, I worked in the mall for a little bit, Iverson. right? Man, look, I worked at Office Mall, right? Yeah. And I worked at um, this this store, it's called Dynamics, I think, or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clothing stores, so I did that. But then um, I did like, uh, I was working in like this uh, office job for just a short stint. Okay. And, um, and that was actually cool because I think I learned some organization skills from oh, it. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like really kind of key that I started to implement on when I started to grow more musically and what I wanted to do. Right. And, you know, I just kind of did stuff like that. And then I did a ton of, like, uh, camps and summer camps and stuff like that okay. over the years right. as well.
0: Yeah. Nice. Okay, so did you, like, I know you said you had your home church. Like, when did you start to kind of branch out and play it, like, you know, like the remix and different services and churches and stuff like
1: that? Um. So, you know, so, like, so I was doing, like, a lot of churches before I got to Reed Temple. So like when I, I left my dad's church when I was 20 and that was a big deal, bro. Oh, my gosh, man. It was a big deal because right, man, they did not want me to leave. And it was a big thing. And I knew that I needed to branch out and grow. So and then, you know, I went to a couple of other churches and it was instrumental for my growth. And then it was like, man, by the time I got to Re Temple was like, I started to really get in a good groove, like it really started learning because Re Temple required you to really be on a high professional level, and I really always appreciated that church and I was at Reed North, and you know I was at both of them I was at uh, Glendale and Reed North oh, okay. uh, a lot in between you know I would fill in at um Glendale sometimes or whatever, and then um Reed North I was at Reed North for uh man six years, six or seven years maybe, or whatever and um but they would require you to be so professional, man, and I appreciated them for that. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: oh that's that's good so yeah. um like so being a full-time musician as we know it, it has ups it has downs it can be very difficult sometimes the um church is not giving you like all that you need in order to live like a day-to-day life as far as making a living so when i i know that you teach guitar lessons now and it has been taken off when did you decide that you know what i i, I have uh, the ability to teach, and this is something that can be beneficial to me as well. so I, I I should start doing this. When do you start getting into teaching the lessons?
1: That's a good question. So you' like I think like when I met you back in two thousand and twelve, I started doing lessons, but it was just like because, you know, some people will walk up to me and be like, "Hey, do it. So I actually didn't have a passion for it. okay. Um, so I was doing it here and there, and I was teaching and all that good stuff. but it wasn't until the pandemic. Until I really was like, oh, you know what? I can really do this again. And I developed a new type of passion for it because um, I think like seeing people, because like we had, there's so many different types of musicians and so many different types of people. Like I, I had people approach me, they was like, man, I just want to play for my family at home. Oh so if you God. could just teach me a few chords. Mm-hmm. And that meant everything to me to hear that. I was like, man, you know what? Cause joy comes from different, levels of music you know oh. and so some people was like man they were like man we don't want to play for no artists we don't want to do that big i just want to play for my family or play play at the family cookouts and stuff like that and i'm like i can help you do that no. yeah that's- so that's how i got into it heavily and it ended up being a blessing because it was like god was like hey look this is actually what i got for you you can just help people and genuinely help people and genuinely be there then i'll enlarge some things for you and that's exactly what he's doing wow that's amazing so i know. Because I I teach lessons
0: as well. Sometimes with teaching lessons, what happens from my experience is people will see you on the level that you are, and then they'll want to take lessons because of that. But they don't understand that you got to start from square one, and then a lot of times they get frustrated and quit because they're just not moving fast enough. Yes. What What do you think about that? Like, how do you deal
1: with that type of thing? So you know what I do a lot, Andrew. Sometimes, so I do like I do like a consultation before oh, I give them lessons. Thanks. And I talk to them and I always ask questions and I ask this one question and I say, What's your frustration level? Like. Oh wow. Okay. And when they ask and they and it make them think because they be like, hmm, they be like, man, I do get frustrated here. And they always and I'm like, you gotta be honest. And um because sometimes I think like what music is for a certain type of people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's either it's either you can do it. It's either you're gonna do it or you not type of thing, you know? And I think that what I do a lot of times, because you know, like I've had people be like, man, you know, I don't wanna do it or whatever, but I always try to go the extra mile and push them to be like, hey, look, you know, if you can just kind of get past this level or whatever, if you can kind of get past this frustration, like you'll be able to start accomplishing your goal. Cause I never fully give up. Even like I had students who would quit and I'll give them a month or two just to be like, let me give him up. And then I'll reach back out. I'll be like, hey, you know you wanted to get back into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And they'll sign back up. And their approach is different. And I'm just like, man, so it's like you really got to talk to them and let them know, like, there's no magic pill that you can take right. that's going to get you to be, like, here right away. Exactly. So you got to go through the ups and downs. So you really got to break it down. I think, like, with teachers, we got to be more transparent and honest with people. Well, especially when they don't have the the trained air, they got an untrained air and all this stuff, and they don't know what's going to happen to their fingers and their body's going to change. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like you got to be more transparent with them and really kind of talk to them on that frustration level. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of times. Uh the students you'll you know they'll they'll start missing lessons and stuff like that and things will trail off and then you don't hear back from them so that's that's a really great um tool to like reach back out and encourage them because once they they understand that their teacher believes in them and wants them to be successful i think that makes a huge difference yeah I, I'm, I'm definitely happy to hear that it's been taken off you because like i said being a I, i'm not a full-time musician but i know plenty of them and i know that it could be very inconsistent with uh, making a living and everything like that. So to be able to, um, you know, do that besides, you know, playing for a church or everything like that, that's definitely great. Mm-hmm. Now with, with guitar, from my my perspective, I feel like uh, a good keyboard player is a dime a dozen. A good drummer is so many of them. Bass players, there's a, a good amount, but a really good guitar player, I feel like is not that many. Why do Man.
1: why, why you think that is? man, you know, I don't know. That's a good question because that is the talk. I don't care what city you're in. Mm -hmm. That's the talk of every city is like, man, we need a good guitar player. I'm starting to think that maybe because like people kind of, I think maybe they approach the guitar in a sense where they think that it's like, you know, the strings is kind of like a different thing Mm for them. And it's like, man, this string thing is kind of, kind of kind of shaky because I think that people will look at a piano and be like, oh, I could just yep. come here and walk up and I can kind of do it this way. Mm-hmm. So they might gravitate to it. But like guitar, it's kind of like to me, um, it's it's such an important instrument to me. You know, you hear the different types of music out here that has guitar. And I think that with a lot of guitar players, I think sometimes like guitar players are, I think a lot of guitar players kind of struggle from the back and forth on what they're going to be, whether they're going to be rhythm or they can shred or whatever that case may be. And so I always think like, man, look, if you can have a full package of all of it, like you'll work forever as a guitar player, like forever. Yeah. So, I, you know, I I don't know, man. I never understand. I I don't have a full answer. I'll be trying to get an answer to be like, why is it like this when it comes to guitar players? Like, why is it like not consistent, good? Guitar players and more of them, you know. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely kind of weird because it's like every almost every other instrument. It's like if I lose a great keyboard player today, I can find one like that. Same thing with drummers, for the most part, bass, but like guitar. If you it, like, for me, like when we we're going out, like I got like maybe two that I can call, two or three. And if they're not available, we we just can't have a guitar.
1: <laughs> you just rock without it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it is it, it, it's it's definitely everywhere everywhere that you are. But like I feel like for you guys, like those of you that are like really good at what you do playing guitar, that kind of works in your favor because you
1: can pretty much always work. Man, you know, yeah, it's it's weird. that's a funny thing to say. Yeah, it's that is the case in a sense, because it's like, you know, it's not saturated with guitar players in the mm-hmm. industry, period yeah and it does all, it it allows you to work a lot, yeah. you know what I'm saying if that's what you choose to do with it, you know what I'm saying and um but like you said, there's a lot of keyboard players. but I kind of think like every instrument kind of suffers on like the professionalism level yeah, that sure. you know what I'm saying in a sense, mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know,
0: yeah, but you you play keys as well, right, yeah, uh-huh, yeah when did you like transition over to playing keys?
1: Man, so you know what? I was I so I was playing keys growing up too. Like my grandmother was showing me a whole lot of stuff cuz she played okay. piano very freaking well. Um, and but, you know, of course guitar was my instrument. And then I started playing trumpet heavily. Like people don't know that I play trumpet. Okay. Like Yeah, so people don't know. Nobody knows that I really play trumpet. Oh, except wow. a select few. Yeah. And what happened was I was playing at a church. And the pastor, I guess he kept <laughs> he kept firing the ministries of music everybody everybody he hired kept firing so one day he got tired he was like Bo you gonna play organ and I was like what are you talking about and so man this dude forced me on the organ and it was the craziest transition but it was kind of like I got on and it was like I'm not sure if he really wanted me to play once he saw that I couldn't play Uh But, but because he kept you know pushing me or what I I just wanted to show them that I could get it so it made me learn which was the greatest thing that ever happened because it was like once I learned how to play and I understood it I started playing in all my keys Mm -hmm. man the workload just grew for me Wow. you know yeah
0: that's amazing so because like to me guitar and piano I've tried guitar here and there like trying to pick out chords and stuff it's a totally different instrument so uh, I feel like in my opinion I think the piano might be the easiest to start playing mm-hmm. but um but the the like to be skilled at it takes a whole lot of work so that that's a yeah. totally different thing so yeah that, that's amazing man yeah so man you're moving you've been moving into the mental health space recently um, yeah and, and therapy and everything like that um can you talk about like musicians mental health because that's an issue that i feel like doesn't get talked about enough until something uh-huh you know, unfortunate happens and, you know, we start talking about it and then it kind of trails off. Can you talk about that? Like how you, uh, your passion for that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, like to what you just said, it's, it's almost like nobody says anything about it until it actually happens or something like that. But what's funny is through music history in general, there's so many different signs of mental health issues through musicians, famous musicians, um, maybe local musicians or whatever the case may be. So what ended up happening for me was when I started into the space of doing lessons, a lot of my clients were coming to me day to day. Sometimes they were down or they were having issues and I'm like, man, what's going on? And we would end up talking instead of actually doing the lesson sometimes. Oh wow. And they would start breaking down things and normal musician issues, whether it would be um some fear that they have, because a lot of musicians have a lot of different fear because a lot of musicians Um, Or especially like newer musicians or beginners and stuff like that, they're actually scared to kind of step into the space because they're worried about like what the world is going to think about them or whatever. And so like I grew this passion for it over the past few months. And I was like, man, I'm going to step into this. And I started doing my research more and more on it. And um, there's this stat out that's 71 percent of musicians suffer from some anxiety or depression or some mental health issues. And I just thought that that's a stagnant... That, that is a huge number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, we don't make up that much of the population of the world to begin no. with. And then to say, oh, well, 71% of us suffered through this. Because I know, like me personally, man, I've had my times. So I was mm-hmm. like, man, I don't even think I'm going to make it or mm-hmm. something like that. So I know that it's some some of friends. I know you got friends that are musicians that be like, man, you know, whether it be money issues or gigs or just life in general, no matter what, um, and it affects your gift or whatever. So, um, I was like, let me step into this space and try to help musicians out as much as possible and try to talk it through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really a staggering statistic. 71% of musicians, but at the same time, it makes sense because being a musician is such like, it's such a different thing from everything else because, like in order, like we talked about, in order to be consistently working, you got to be like close to, the if not the cream of the crop. And yeah. always putting in so much work to get to that level. And yeah. like, you know, you may not get the opportunities that you're looking for. So that kind of mental up and down could really uh, be taxing on musicians. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely needed to have people that can give therapy. And, you know, like you're talking not from the outside looking in, as a therapist that does, you know, something totally different. You're talking as someone who's experienced it and knows what it's like. So
1: that's amazing, right? Yeah, but you know, like also, I think that sometimes, like with when it comes to that space or when it comes to musicians, that I think that sometimes also, like musicians pour out so much. Like whether it be church or gigs or they traveling, and they're doing tours, whatever level it is that like a lot of musicians we pour out so much to entertain to uplift and to serve that we don't get poured back into it. We don't take that time to, to focus on our mental health or to pour back into ourselves yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, you have that issue going on as well in the music, because like, I see it all the time. It's just like, yo, musicians, man, they'll travel and travel. I think, I think people look at it and be like, oh, man, this is great. But man, man, deep down inside, man, when a musician might get by himself sometimes, you know, you just don't know what's going through their head or what struggles they got going on. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. What would you say uh, would be like a tool that musician or like something musicians can do when they get to that low place and they're just like going through it, thinking about giving up? What what would be your advice like for them in those
1: moments? I think, I think like one of the biggest things that I always try to tell musicians is take that negativity or take that bad energy or take that space that you may be in and try to at that point, try to channel it into something positive. So uh, take it and try to like, you know, surround yourself around loved ones or um, work on your business, work on your craft a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Try to be positive with it. But then also, I think sometimes like because we get into that space Mm -hmm. that sometimes we feel like we cannot deal with that space at that moment so like yo if you feel in a certain way it's like okay it's okay in that moment and deal with it in that moment right. and don't lie to yourself and be like oh well no, i'm good and then you're really not good you know so i'm like man deal with that stuff realize where you are uh, don't be afraid to get a therapist you know what i'm saying i know um i don't know what it is and just in our community in general I just think like, man, get you a good therapist if you can, you know what I'm saying? If you definitely afford and um, get that because like we need it, like we need a good therapist, we need somebody to talk to. Outside of I think the space of maybe a, a family member or another musician or another person that's in that space, but somebody that you may not know that's in a professional space, a professional therapist that can really kind of really guide you or whatever. So I just think that there's certain steps that we can take and it just depends on the level of where the musician is because i think that sometimes a lot of musicians deal with fear like fear is a big thing for musicians oh yeah. you know and i always feel like and i tell musicians all the time um so depending on what their walk is or whatever the case may be i'm like look with fear if if god is saying that i have not given you the spirit of fear it's just mm-hmm. that part alone right it, man that's great foundation to stand on because what he's telling you is is that this fear that you got i ain't giving it to you so it's coming from somewhere else right. so as long as you know that hey look that ain't coming from him that's coming from somewhere else that's the start you know what yeah. i'm saying you can deal with it and be like oh i can build from there
0: right right yeah that's amazing like it, definitely having the biblical foundation with it as well just reminding yourself that god didn't give this to you so It's obviously an attack that's trying to come against you to hinder you from doing what God has uh, set before you to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's definitely great advice. So now you're living in Atlanta. How long have you been in Atlanta? Man, I've been in
1: Atlanta for about five, six months now. Okay, okay. How's the transition? It was interesting. (laughs) Interesting to say the least. But it's been good because... Atlanta, like, man, DMV is home and I'm home a lot. I'm home in the DMV for sure a lot, but, um, Atlanta has been good to me. Um, the people that I've been meeting have been great. Um, they've opened up, they've embraced my business and my work and it's just been growing and it's been dope. And it's just like, um, it's definitely was out of my comfort zone, which I absolutely needed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I ain't gonna lie, man, I'm having a good time, man. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying helping people in this city you know what i'm saying it's a city i don't really know so i'm learning on the spot every day but um i'm just in a mindset of man let me just help i don't care where you are from where i'm at i'm just always be like i'm trying to help so it's been it's been good dude
0: yeah that's dope yeah I, so you're still fresh i know i know atlanta um has a whole lot of transplants so at least you're not alone in that that regard so that that's
1: man it's, dude it's a ton of people from dc and atlanta man I I'm, sure. Like, uh, I'm sure like i'll be feeling like i'm at home sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. Even
0: like I'm in Connecticut now. There's plenty of people I know since I've been here that that live down there now. So
1: I did not know you was in Connecticut. Yeah,
0: man. Yeah, that's what. What? We're at. Yeah. Okay,
1: man. dope, dope,
0: dope. Yeah. Yes, sir. So um, you released in 2019 a Christmas single, Oh "Come All You Faithful," and then in to- 2021 you uh released two other songs, uh, "Tuned Up" and "Total Praise." He yeah. talked about like your motivation
1: behind um releasing your own music. Yeah, so you know what, this is, so I feel like I record so much music for so many different people and so many artists. And I had never thought about doing my own stuff until like people were like, yo, hey, we want to hear something from you. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't even know where to begin. And um, the Christmas, yo, so the Christmas single, I played every instrument on there. Oh, wow. Yeah, except for um, drums or whatever. Um, I had uh, Dominique Austin play drums on it. and um but yeah and I just and it was just on a on a whim like I wasn't trying to do anything with it but then it came out really well and then um total praise huh no I'm saying it sounds great oh man thank you man yeah thank you and you know and it was a lot of fun to do you know it was different for me and then like when I put it out and so many people grabbed it and so many people like oh man and then yeah. So uh, Total Praise came. Um, it was uh, really foundationally based from the surgery that I had. And so I got into it. Um, I had a great producer uh, named Zane Gibson. He's from um, he's out in uh, Houston. Um, a great friend of mine, a great brother of mine. And um, I told him, I was like, look, man, I, I kind of want to do it. And so he took it. And he threw some changes on it. And um, he was just like, "Look, man, you really do need to record this." And we got into it, and so that's where the total praise came from. And it's just been with me for like ever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And um, and he also produced the the tune up single, uh, which was totally different for me because I wasn't really in the smooth jazz like yeah. space, you know. And um, and it was dope because it kind of worked out because I I was like, because he actually put it together for me. And I was like, all right. I said, you got a melody? He said, no. He was like, you, <laughs> you can have the." He was like, yeah. He was like, this is all I got. Yeah. And so uh, it took me like two weeks or whatever to kind of find something that would be catchy right. or whatever. And so uh, we put it together, man. And it came, out, it came out dope. It was really dope.
0: Yeah, yeah. They all sound great, man. That's amazing. I know a lot of musicians have music in them or the ability to create, but they kind of for fear and a lot of times like mental health different things they deal with they don't put it out so
1: yeah absolutely
0: definitely great that you were able to do that so you you talked about like how total praise was with you during um the surgery that you had back in 2008 can you talk about like what you went through and you know how how that changed your life and everything
1: yeah so 2008 uh fourth of july or whatever so another anniversary of that coming up uh that week of fourth of july man i was having these headaches they were super severe and i just thought it was something regular and it finally got to the point to where I couldn't bear it anymore. And um, my parents was like, well, look, let's go to the hospital. Because I was with my parents at that time, um, that day, that particular day. So they rushed me to the hospital. And when I got there, um, they did some x-rays. And doctors came in, like a ton of doctors came in. And I knew I was in trouble when I saw the doctors come in. I said, uh-oh. And um, he was like, look, man, you got this tumor, this tumor on the back of your head he was like it's covering the whole back of your head and it's covering the top of your spine and he was like we gotta have an emergency surgery right away but we gotta medevac you at georgetown hospital in order for it to um in order for us to get it out of you he was like because man it's at a point to me, it's really really attacking you on the verge of um possibly having an aneurysm or whatever and they was kind of shocked that i that i made it this far you know with it and so Long story short, I don't re- even remember it. I blacked out on the helicopter. I don't remember the he- helicopter ride. Okay. And got to Georgetown and they got me to the point so they got my blood pressure settled so they could get ready to operate. And man, i never forget this doctor. Uh, her name was Dr. Douglas and she was, she was great. And she walked in with this book, man. This book was like this big. She started reading all the possible stuff that could happen and what I could go through. And it was like, you could either be blind um you could be handicapped they were like you never gonna play music again um yeah they were either like you're gonna be paralyzed on either your right hand side or your left hand side i mean a list of things right and then they were finally like hey look you know she was like look there's a possibility that we probably really can't wake you up from this and and out yeah and that was major and i was like man so um you know not to be sad about it cuz I'm standing I'm sitting right here in front of you you know what I'm saying it's and true, so it's true, yeah. man god and you know it was funny man I'm doing everything that she said I wouldn't do times 10 yeah. you know and so I'm so grateful for it cuz that was a major dude the recovery process from it was like it took me like 2 years to kind of really kind of get back to where I needed to be right um but I, I'm fine with it though because I'm completely healthy and I'm good I'm in my right mind but uh, it was a major situation, man. It was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Wow. That's, yeah, I, I've seen you talk about
0: it, but I, I hadn't heard, like, all the details of it before. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. mm-hmm. literally a miracle, like, walking, because everything they said that you wouldn't do, God gave you the
1: ability to go even beyond that. That's, that's incredible, man. Dude, dude. You know, because, you know what, man? I just, uh, people, I guess people be needing excuses to be grateful Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, listen, man, I I don't need no, God don't got to do nothing for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to rock with him forever till, till it's done. And I get that it's it can be unpopular out there to just be with God. But I'm like, I don't care how unpopular it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what it look like. I'm going to stick with him and be faithful as possible. Because I know if it was left up to me to try to fix that situation, I would probably be dead. You know what I'm saying? But because of him and being there and every day I wake up, I feel like there's something that he sees in me that he wants me to do. And so that gives me what I need to keep going and keep pushing and to do it. And so I'm consistently grateful that he pulled me out of that.
0: Man, that's that's amazing. God is good, man. Just hearing that testimony is encouraging to me. So I know listening that that encourages you that there's nothing that God can't do because It could have been a totally different way, but like you said, because you're still alive, God has more for you to do. So that's absolutely incredible, man. Another anniversary coming up. You're still living, expanding, growing, doing great things, man. Bro, thank you so much for doing this interview. This was very informative. It was enjoyable, and I, I truly appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much, bro.
1: Yeah, man. Look, thank you, man. And look, shout out to you, man. You're doing a great thing. I love what you're doing, man. I love the space that you're in. Man, and thanks. your family, man, your, your brothers and your sisters, man. Tell them all I said, hey man. Yes, sir. Um, and people, yes. hey, listen, the McCains, man. They ain't nothing to play with, man. Oh, <laughs> thank <laughs> you, bro. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, love. We always love John, man. Always love
0: that music all the time, man. Thank you so much, bro. And um, let, let everybody know where they can follow you
1: on Instagram, Facebook, anything like that. Yeah, you guys can follow me on my uh music page, which is bo tally underscore music page. So you can follow me on Facebook. Um, at Bo Geron Tally, and uh, look, I'm on TikTok, figure that out. You know, what I'm saying that <laughs> <laughs> at Tally, Tally Mark Music on TikTok, I'm still trying to figure TikTok out or oh, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: all right, that's what's up, man. All right, man, this has been another episode of the Interlude with Drew. As I always say, only what you do for Christ will last. Take it one day at a time and keep it pushed until next time. I'll holler at you guys. Yeah, it's the interview. With
1: the interview. Drew we
0: The Interlude Withdrew